0: Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast with Mona Loring. This is a show that marries the mystical with the practical to help you with your spiritual healing. Whether you're newly curious about what's behind the veil or you're well into your spiritual journey, this show offers a grounded exploration into all you've been seeking. I decided to break this episode into two parts because I feel like I had so much more to share about shamanism and honestly, I just don't want my episodes to run too long. I'm glad that there's chapters so you can re-listen to something pretty easily by clicking on the chapter name. That's why I purposely have it broken down that way. So if you want to go back to another episode and listen to the meditation or you just want to hear the interview again without my intros and things like that, it makes it a little bit easier for you to go back and re-listen to anything that you might want to catch. In this episode, I want to break down what Joy and I spoke about a bit further and give you some insight on shamanic work from my personal experience, and also explain a bit about shamanic healing work versus traditional therapy, the similarities and also how they're different. I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, do I still see a therapist if I see you? If I'm getting healing work, do I see a therapist? And I'll explain a little bit about that because the answer is it depends. I absolutely think therapists are lovely for the right people and I've definitely seen a therapist in the past and so in no way do I think one thing ever for any type of healing is right or wrong. It just depends on maybe a mix of things for you or at a certain time period one thing's right for you when another's not and then you switch to something else. It's all about the recipe that works for you individually but I will break that answer down a little bit more to help you out. I'll also go further into who shamanic work is right for, and how you can begin to explore it for yourself. Lastly, I'm excited to share a spirit animal journey with you at the end of this episode. So I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast episode, you probably already listened to my interview with one of my shamanic colleagues and mentors, Joy. And so in this episode, the reason I have a second part is because that one obviously went rather long because there was so much to talk about and so much to say. I didn't want to add this part to it, but I want to share with you a bit about my own shamanic work and practice. As you may have heard if you listen to my interview with Liliana Barzola, I don't follow rigid rules when I'm taught energy work. Joy touches on this too in our podcast explaining how it's not necessary to stay true to form. So while I was learning about shamanism, Joy was also someone who really understood that quality and was encouraging that quality in me. She respects that I know what I can do already and that I have my own toolbox and that I have a specific way of doing things once I learn, or I should say relearn ancient concepts because I'll get to it, but I I believe I've learned this stuff before. And I guess I have to pause here because I want to explain that let me just go there now. I don't believe I'm learning anything and n- neither are you. I think that if you're here right now, there's a reason and you've probably done this kind of healing or energy work before, meaning you either had it done to you or you've done it. And there's a reason that this is coming out of you now where you're you're seeking interest. There's a reason maybe you met me or you saw uh, an Instagram post of mine that was interesting to you and you were like, I want to look into that podcast. There's a reason why you're here right now. And it's because all the knowledge that ever exists is inside of us already. And we'll go over the Akashic records, but look into that if you're curious already. And it's just that we choose to learn something because we're aware that that means something in us and it has. A sort of like it's almost like a memory, you know, that there's something there and you want to learn it because you're attracted to it. But really, it's just something that I feel like we're bringing that mo- knowledge back up into our conscious from. I think that you already know, you're just becoming aware that you know it as you hear it and you learn it again. So, that being said, I found that as soon as I learn a new energy modality. I tend to know what the teacher is about to say or I can perform a new technique really quickly because not only is that knowledge in me, but in my case, I know that I've been a healer before in a different life and it's all coming back to me now. So an interesting story that I have is actually my Reiki work when I was getting my uh, Reiki master entundments and before my very first one, I remember sitting there at the table across from my teacher and just like wondering why my palms are getting so hot and then I was like you know am I imagining this are they really that hot you know how you like if you have a fever you're like touch my head do I have a fever I can't tell so I wasn't sure if I really was you know if my palms were really as hot as I thought and so I had her touch them and she was like wow they're burning up and it was because again I, I remembered how to channel energy through my hands. I knew how to use Reiki. I knew how to push light. And so that was one of those experiences where I just knew already and it was just coming back to me. And I looked at her and said, I must have done this before. It's, you know, I, I clearly have been trained to move energy with my hands. And she absolutely agreed. It was just apparent that I knew what I was going to do before I even sat down and really started, started to study Reiki. And that being said, although I have been shamanically training, I will continue to learn more and more about ancient shamanic healing. My work is really different than what many people see other shamans do. And I kind of love that. It's my own signature to the work. Okay, I'm I'm going to just jump into it. So how does my work differ? First of all, I use Modern Energy Teachings and I apply them to ancient practices and I blend both my psychic work and my mediumship as it comes up based on a client and their needs. No session is exactly ever the same because different energies show up. Some clients tend to have very similar sessions and then some clients that are my repeat clients tend to have really different sessions per session with me. You never know what's going to come up. I also work with spirit guides and angels and I promise I'm going to do an episode on spirit guides because I really want everybody to start getting in tune with their spirit guides but again I don't ever call in any specific energy unless I'm doing a mediumship reading and then of course I'm calling in someone who they have lost that they might want granted sometimes in mediumship too I just let whoever's coming come that's typically the way most mediums do it but I do like to try and get who someone may be seeing me to especially you know meet with again and when I'm doing this work I just allow the supportive and healing energies to show up and show me the way and that's why I don't need to follow any rigid rules because I follow spirit I know how to communicate with spirit I know how to get myself out of the way so I can let spirit do what it needs to do when it comes to bringing through light and I allow spirit to tell me If I need to have certain information because it's going to heal the person for me to say it back to them. And I'm obviously really grateful for the fact that I can see that energy on the body. And sometimes I should say I I use my own spirit guides to help me heal or hold energy in a certain way while I work on another part of the client. It's pretty cool. It's like having an assistant. Liliana had first mentioned it to me and I was like, wait, I can use a spirit guide to help me, it's like having an assistant during energetic surgery. So a lot of times I'll have one of my spirit guides or believe it or not, your loved one or your angel will come and already know that that's how I work and they will hold you and and give you light in a certain area um, as I'm clearing something out for you that might be a little bit more difficult it might bring up certain emotions, whatever it might be and and I see how. I have an assistant whether it's my own choice of like okay can you guys go there and you know give her light while I, I work with her heart chakra, or whatever it might be but I thought that was an interesting thing to tell you that I that I do because it's really incredible how spirit wants to team up and help you and it's really incredible how when I'm doing a healing session there's different people you know quote-unquote people they're they're spirits but they're in the room and I just know that they're there just standing there holding space for you sometimes, giving you love, giving you that, that support that you need that whether some people know it, some of my clients are like, oh my gosh, I felt that. And I'll say it's on your right side of your body and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, I know I felt that on the, my right side of my body. And then I have some that are like, oh really, I didn't feel anything, I didn't know. But regardless, it's so cool that they're there and just know again that your loved ones are always there to help you. Support you and heal you. So, okay, more about how I work. If it's an ongoing client, I will start by chatting with the client about what they may need, how life has been, and then I tend to get information on what I should do in the session. This can range from energy clearing, chakra balancing, and even psychic coaching, a term that I recently just made up, in which we talk about what the client is going through and I listen. And basically, I just give psychic advice while reading the energy of the situation. I have to say that in no way am I a licensed therapist or a medical practitioner. So depending on the client's needs, I will refer them to get supplemental help when their needs are outside of my bandwidth or my, you know, abilities. With new clients, it's almost the same as the first, it's almost the same with the first session that they have. Um, each time it's a new client so with every new client I start with a meditation and I get the client into a relaxed state the theta state um, where they are able to kind of get out of their head right and and allow me in to do the work with them and I also get them to a place where they're ready to work on their energy we do this through breathing and I unwind their chakras energetically and from this point even though it usually starts the same with me releasing energy from their root chakra all the way up to the crown and releasing all the energy that I'm seeing and moving uh, energy attachments that might be on their body the rest of the session is basically really different from person to person if not just session to session with the same client like I was saying it's never the same because every time I see the same you know the same client comes back and I see them again They've gone through something different or they're ready to go deeper and go into another layer of healing and releasing a certain trauma. I see energy on the person's body with my eyes closed. Um, I can see it sometimes with my eyes open, but it's not, I don't, I don't ever see anything with my eye. Like I'm using my third eye. So for example, my daughter, she fell outside playing the other day. And I immediately was like, oh, you hurt your butt and your thigh. It's on your right thigh going down, right? And she was like, yeah, weird, you know? And I was like, I see, like I saw like red heat basically. <clears throat> but I didn't obviously see it with my eyes like I, like I, you know, it was my third eye. So that's how I just see energy. I can basically, it's like a picture the way that if I tell you right now to think about um, you know, some grapes, (laughs) the picture that you have of the grapes in your mind is the way that I will see mental pictures of energy and and how I get psychic information. So, all right, where was I? Basically, I'm trying to let you know that with session to session, it's always really different and I see the energy with my eyes closed. Um, Okay, so basically, this is how I know that a clearing needs to occur, Because there's times when the client is not ready to release that trauma or that energy and I'm led to know that it's there, either psychically or because I see it on their body. But then spirit will tell me that a client needs more time before we can dig deeper into that layer. Or I just know that we have more work to do together before I can go there. So like I was saying, it's sort of like an onion, right? And you, you have layers of this onion And so when we do the first session, it's the first layer and someone starts to get some relief and life starts working out a little better. And then they come back and we go deeper. And then depending on what people's traumas are and what they've dealt with, how old they are, how big of a trauma it is, we work through the surface level stuff that's bothering them, like the stress or even maybe a physical pain in their back. And then once we get to more and more recent issues and dig deeper into bigger issues, we can finally dig deeper into old and older energies that need releasing. But I have to say that sometimes I've had a client come in and they are just ready to go. They are ready to let it out. They've consciously done their own work or subconsciously, subconsciously sometimes done their own work. It's incredible. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I see that trauma in your heart. Let's go for it. And we get it out. So it really just depends. Everybody's different. But at the end of the day, all healing happens in layers. And each session only addresses the layer that's presenting itself at the time. Each layer of healing, I really want to emphasize, is important no matter how significant or insignificant it may seem at the time. So if I see things where it's just, you know, basically I'm doing work on someone and I'm releasing anxiety and stress that's pretty important even though maybe someone was hoping that I would help them with the massive trauma that they went through when they were 11 but it wasn't time but what we did was still very significant for them it was very important for that to happen because without releasing those layers we wouldn't be able to get to the deeper stuff later so I want to go into a little bit more about A shamanic practice that I think is really interesting that is more of the common thing that you do with people who tend to need um, some deeper shamanic energy healing. So I'm gonna go into that in the next chapter. But before we do, I wanna tell you that the process is called a soul retrieval. And although it sounds really intense, and in a certain way it is, it's really simple and it's really effective and all right I'll just I'll just explain it and we'll jump right into it I think I think you'll find it quite intriguing all right so a soul retrieval a popular shamanic practitioner and author Sandra Ingerman wrote a terrific book on this process I'm actually looking at it on at my on my desk right now because I just wanted to glance over the book again before I did this episode Just energetically, I thought it would put me in tune with explaining it a little better to you. Basically, a soul retrieval is the process of correcting someone's soul loss. And I'm going to read what I have seen in an er interview that Sandra said. So Sandra explains a soul loss as, quote, the basic premise is whenever we experience trauma, a part of our vital essence separates from us in order to survive the experience by escaping the full impact of the pain. She goes on to say, there are many common symptoms of soul loss. Some of the more common ones would be disassociation where the person does not feel fully in his body and alive and fully engaged in life. Other symptoms include chronic depression, suicidal tendencies, post-traumatic stress syndrome, immune deficiency problems, and grief that just does not heal addictions are also a sign of soul loss end quote so basically again what she's saying is when someone goes through a trauma basically a part of your vital essence your soul a piece of you will separate in order to survive the experience because it's just too much to go through It's basically somehow your soul and part of your spirit trying to save itself from something that the human experience brought on that it wasn't ready for, that it couldn't deal with. So if you lose a part of yourself, you can lose a great deal of energy unconsciously looking for those lost parts throughout your life. And during the soul retrieval process, a shaman moves into an altered state of consciousness and... You would travel to realities outside of normal perception, which shamans call non-ordinary reality, to retrieve the lost part of the soul. And I've personally seen great success come from soul retrievals. I've done them on older children in my personal life, as well as a number of clients who truly feel the results if they do the aftercare and integration process correctly. After a soul retrieval, integration is just as important as the process. Integration is so important in general with any spiritual work that you do. It's really crucial to set aside time to make sure that you take care of what your needs are when you're doing serious energetic and spiritual work if you're really trying to heal yourself and if you're especially doing things that are dramatically shifting your perspective and your energy and your thoughts, you need to integrate so after a soul retrieval, I always tell people how it's crucial to set aside time each day to think and welcome each new soul part back with great gratitude. You, you want to, it's, it's actually part of the practice. You, when, when you bring their soul back, you either say it out loud to yourself, but you say it to the soul as the shaman, you say, welcome back. And you want the client to feel gratitude that they are whole again. I'm probably going to talk about integration again in the future because, again, it's so important when you're doing any type of serious spiritual work, but I feel like I need to introduce you to the concept now because I just brought it up with soul loss work, and it's such an integral part of what you do because, again, after any kind of self-work, you should think about the integration process, but especially with energy work and it's basically like aftercare, after you get a surgery, right? You have to make sure that you're following everything that the doctor said. It's the same kind of concept. I've seen so many people skip the part of the process of aftercare or integration, whichever you want to call it, and they they went from being really healed, truly healed, to regressing back to where they started. I've seen it with people who even do plant medicine. They go to Peru and they do ayahuasca. And they heal and, and they purge and they get rid of all the energy that's off of them, but they don't keep up with the aftercare, which help, which would really help keep everything off of them and keep it clean. Sort of like even if you go on a, on a diet, I hate the word diet, but if you go on a diet and you lose a lot of weight, if you don't keep up with it, if you don't keep up with your diet and your exercise, you're going to gain the weight back. It's energy either way. It's the same thing. So it's really important to keep up with your aftercare and it's really not that much effort. You just have to be really mindful of keeping up with your new energy state. Okay, so let me go into it. What what does integration look like? So I have notes because I don't want to forget all the different things I want to say to you. First of all, gratitude. Learn to give thanks as often as you can for everything in your life and for your healing. It's such an important practice to feel gratitude as often as you can it raises your vibration and not to mention if we're even talking about just human level stuff when you're grateful it's it's so much harder for you to see the the bad side of things the negative side of things right because you're thinking about the good stuff and so just even on a mental level being grateful does so much for you that I can only tell you how much it shifts your energy completely on an energetic level. Then we're dealing with nourishment as the second part of integration, which is what? Quality food and water. I mean, it seems like an obvious, but it's important to eat really well and and make sure you stay hydrated all the time, but especially when you're doing this kind of work. You want to put in everything good in your body, right? So the higher vibe food you consume... It works from the inside out and water is amazing for clearing you out and removing toxins because remember toxins are also energetic. So oftentimes when I do a lot of healing work with someone, I always say, remember to drink your water, wash it out of you, get it out. Now I have nature on the list as the next step of integration. You know, going outside and receiving earth's continued healing is just fantastic Nature has a life force energy that feeds you. And I've had a few clients where they had gone through a trauma and they came to see me. And this was when I was doing in-person work, which right now I'm not obviously because of uh, COVID, but I took them out on my grass and I had them ground on the grass and I had them touch a tree. And if you only saw the shift, it was incredible. It was medicine. All right. So now next one I have is timing. Timing. Okay, how do I explain this? So different people integrate energy work at different rates. So the luminous and physical bodies need time to adjust adjust to your transition, right? Your physical body that you can see and touch and feel, and then your energetic body, the luminous, they both need to adjust. And I tell clients to be aware, especially the following two days after a major session, but it can take up to two weeks for new energy patterns to also fall into place but for the first two days I really say pay attention to anything that might feel a little bit off because you're really adjusting a lot and I actually want to add not to mention if you if you do ongoing energy work new energetic patterns can continue to subtly shift and guide you towards change over even several months so and I I definitely experienced that for myself where there was a time where it just like Slowly, I was feeling better. Things were really great. But then it was like months later, bam, I was feeling really good. And it got so much harder to fall backwards and regress because you. I was just like accumulating so much of the uh, aftercare benefits that it just made it that much, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I would just bounce back if anything hard would happen. I would have something really stressful hit me. I just bounced back easier. And that's how new energetic patterns can really help shift you and change you and guide you towards what's better and healing. So the next thing on my list is pause. Notice what seems different in your life. Actually pause and take note. People may respond to you differently or you'll find yourself not reacting to situations in the way that you may have in the past. So pay attention as new shifts will happen. And that's what I'm saying about the part beforehand right now when we were talking about timing even, it's like give it time, but pay attention to shifts. I have seen, especially with my family when I do work on them, it's incredible how if they're doing work and keeping up with their work and their healing work, that things get to them a lot less easily and you're not so quite like, you know, ready to be triggered, you know, and it makes a very big difference when you are doing this energy work and you are integrating, but you have to pause and actually take take note of it. And if you're only focusing on what's still wrong with you and what's bad, you're gonna miss out on the parts that are healing for you. And again, that's gratitude that's only going to help you heal more and bring you into a higher vibration. Next on my list, I have conscious change. So this is basically, in integration, you want to make a conscious choice to respond to situations in a positive and life-affirming way. So this is a time that you can repattern out of your old unhealthy mindset and bad behavior, you know, I don't like the word bad, it just came out of my mouth, and negative behavior so that the new way becomes your norm. And as you face choices, the new energy creates a new reality. So this can be a chain reaction and healing realignment. And all these new choices just only help reaffirm the work. The next one i have on the list is community i can't say enough about community and it's something one of my shamanic t- teachers preaches the most and for good reason yes a lot of spiritual work is about going within you will always hear me say go within go within go within go within but also be sure to find a support system talk to trusted friends and loved ones a counselor or find a like-minded online group even it's amazing what happens when you connect with others in your spiritual journey during your healing process and also afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to have that type of energy around you. It's a supportive energy and I have found that when I'm around like-minded people and spiritual people, when I'm doing spiritual work, it's like they're, they're like a magnet for me. And I feel so much better and my abilities are elevated and it's just beautiful. So community, community, community. That is part of aftercare. Don't do it alone. So what what other ways can you, can you do aftercare? Um, I made a list of other ways to continue spiritual self-care, which isn't part of all the other stuff I told you. This is more actually like self-care Sunday kind of stuff which includes meditation when you quiet your mind and you allow the healing work to maybe speak to you. And it can even guide you on what to do next and show you why you are where you are and what you need to learn from it. It can be a very powerful meditation. I'm actually thinking that could be a cool one for me to do on the podcast with you. Other forms of spiritual care can be yoga, qigong, tai chi, prayer, or simply, again, nature, a walk in nature, walking. It's all self-care. Reading books on spirituality. I have a few books that when I open them up and I read even two pages of it, my vibe just instantly goes up. It's amazing the power of certain literature. It's just, I feel like the person who wrote it just put this incredible energy into what they wrote and it just comes out when you're reading their book. Also, I think that you should try to find a way of connecting spiritually that feels comfortable and authentic to you and not just listen to everything that I'm saying on the list and be like, okay, I guess I'll do this because this is on the list. Again, you have your own toolbox. You have your own knowledge within you. I'm just helping you remember it again, right? Relearn it again. So if any of this is like, well, I don't want to do that. That's okay, but find your own. Find your own ways because... I can't tell you enough, again, how much integration matters if you do any kind of healing work. Oh, I also want to bring up journaling. You know, keeping keeping a record of your experience and change can help not only process the work, but it's amazing in helping you keep up with the changes or even manifest more of what you want in your life. Plus, sometimes the most powerful insights come from rereading your experience. And you go, oh my gosh, yes, I remember that. I was doing so well then, and it was because of A, Y, A, Y, and C. Hilarious. A, B, and C. I know my alphabet, guys. And, you know, it's just sometimes I've gone back and read it. I, I have to admit, I don't reread very often. It's it's hard enough to remember to journal than to reread, but definitely there's times when you go back and reread, and it's it's pretty awesome to have it written down. I have most of my significant journey, spiritual journey, written down because I really wanted to make sure that I had notes about it because it was just so special finding myself elevating the way that I was and the things that I could not even believe that I was able to do. And I wrote it all down and I actually now I'm talking about it and I, I want to go reread it now that I'm talking about it. It sounds fun. So I also, lastly, for for aftercare, want to talk about follow-up care. One of the number one things that people say to me after a session is, okay, great, so when should I see you again? And... I always answer the same, the same answer and I say, you tell me because I'm never going to tell you when you need to see me again. I'm never going to tell you when you need healing. You know what's best for you. You know what you need. But I will tell you if you shouldn't see me again because if I feel like someone is far too dependent on me and they're not doing the work on their own or they seem to really just be seeing me because they want the psychic work, that's not healthy for you. That's not in your highest good. And those are times where I will actually have someone not see me for a while because I want them to do the work and figure it out on their own without, you know, feeling like they have to get answers. It's tough because I do believe energy work is always good, but there's so much you can do on your own to upkeep that you don't need to see me all the time. And most of my clients see me on a bi-weekly basis, the ones that are consistent clients, Um, I have some that see me once a month and I have some that do see me weekly because they're going through something and we're doing some serious work. So it varies, but I imagine one day I'll have clients that I see once, maybe every three months at times, because they really get to a place I hope where they just see me for that deep cleaning. You know, it's kind of like going to the dentist, you brush your teeth and you floss and then you only need to see the dentist for your checkup, you know, every three to six months. And that's really what I want the healing work to be like for you because i want you to really feel self-sufficient and empowered to do your own spiritual work i feel like it's important when you're figuring out what you need to pay attention to the right timing because it's really easy to become dependent on what makes you feel good and so Don't just get into a place where you're seeing me or someone that you, you know, one of your healers or your psychics or, you know, hopefully not a medium. I don't think anybody should see a medium consistently. You really need to learn to, first of all, unfortunately, the truth is not communicate with the person that has crossed constantly anyway, because you do want to move on with your life. And I say that again, it's so hard to say anything to anyone who's grieving, but it is what's best for you. But i don't believe people should see mediums very often you really need to learn to speak to them and know they're there and connect with them and feel into really growing that so if anything what i would love to do if someone were to need to come to me constantly for mediumship is hey why don't we work on you learning how to connect with spirit yourself instead of needing me because i think that's just so much healthier for you but Anyway, I guess I'm just going to wrap this up by saying pay attention to the right timing. Don't become dependent on anything specific like a healer or another person, anything that's outside of you when it comes to the work because the most important work comes within yourself and it's important to find a balance. But if you are feeling like you're suffering, that is no matter what. If You should never suffer. So if you are suffering, definitely do contact someone and ask for help and get that healing. And hopefully once you get through, you know, whatever mountain you have to climb as far as that initial healing goes with the person you're working with, they'll get you at a stable place where you can start healing, your pace slows down of what you need from someone else and you can start like I just talked about with these steps integrating your work. Now I want to discuss shamanic healing versus therapy, what the difference is and who it's best for and I want to share a little more insight on all of that. And let's start by just saying that therapy is an incredible tool for many people. Therapists can really help you work things out logically and come to realizations. And sometimes it's really healing just to have someone who won't judge you sit there and listen. But a really great therapist, if you find the right one, not only sits there to listen to you and give you space and hold space. But they often have tools and can guide you on how you can change your habits or change your thoughts and change the world around you. But I tend to see therapy a little bit more as a human self thing, right? And I tend to see shamanic work as all the other layers of you energetic, you know, mind, body, spirit all together when uh, therapy to me is mind and body more so. Shamanic healing work and any healing work though, it doesn't need to be an either or when it comes to therapy. I've had a few clients tell me that therapy for years had never helped them the way that my energy work did. I actually have one client who she's probably going to know it's her listening to this that said to me, you know, I've been seeing a therapist for years and we just had our first session together and this helped me more than all those different sessions did and I'm not saying this to brag i'm just saying that some people really resonate with shamanic work with energy work it's just what they really need talking about it doesn't get them anywhere but at the same time i've had clients who when i'm seeing them the issues that they have in their energetic body especially when i see things in the throat or the crown chakra and they're holding communication back and they're holding thoughts that they shouldn't have in their mind I definitely always refer them to see a therapist because their energy is just they need to let it out so that they could let it go and therapy could be incredibly healing for them. Talking to a professional can really help change someone when they don't have, again, somebody to dump on or they don't have someone who can help them deal with tools that they need for their mind and for their stress and not to mention, even though I'm all about alternative healing some people do need medication at times you know and I don't want to get too much into that and you know this is I again I'm not a doctor I'm not claiming to know anything in the medical world I'm gonna disclaim that over and over again whenever I think I'm going somewhere that I shouldn't but at the end of the day you know I think that if you can seeing both is ideal if you're really going through something and you're thinking Maybe I need a therapist. Maybe I need energy work. If you can afford it, I do think that both together can do you a lot of good. And in general, while I'm talking about it, if you can afford it, I think that bringing body work and seeing maybe a terrific acupuncturist or masseuse is like the perfect trifecta, you know, and and then if <laughs> if you really can afford it to bring in someone who helps you with nutrition and supplements, that's like that's literally the recipe that I feel like makes somebody completely whole and I have seen suicidally depressed anxiety ridden people who I have talked to about these different things that they need to do that have healed truly have healed but it took a village but you know what it took a village and it took a very strong person to have the faith and keep up with the fact that they started and it wasn't working it wasn't working it wasn't working until it did and it was working that all being said is shamanic healing for you as joy and i discussed in the last episode shamanic healing may not be for everyone so how do you know if it's right for you i've actually had a lot of people reach out to me since that episode and ask me if they think that they should do shamanic healing and i literally said i'm actually doing an episode on that tune in (laughs) but ask yourself these questions Am I sensitive to energy? Do I feel energies around me? Am I attracted to the ancient medicine and healing practices? Why do I say that part? I'm going to pause for a second. Because shamanic work is ancient and it's different and it's cultural. And some people don't enjoy that. And that's totally okay. Some people want a little bit more of a modern approach. Some people want a little bit more of like maybe a Wiccan approach. Everybody's different and they like different things. And you know, that's totally okay. And for me, that's why I had, I, for me, ancient shamanic work, it doesn't fly for me in what I love. It doesn't, it's not something I want to do. It's not something I want to get. So for me, I really turned it into something a little bit more modern. And I took pieces of education that I had from everything that I've studied and I brought it all together. So I do all kinds of stuff. Like, I have, I basically have like this wooden magical wand that I got in Salem, Massachusetts, that I got from this like old, I mean, I can't even, I don't want to tell you the wrong number, but hundreds of year old store that's been making wands forever. And I use that to sometimes move energy off of someone because I want to be a little bit more deliberate and I don't want to just use my mind for the minute because it's, it's fun. It's part of what works and it's still incredibly healing for the person. And sometimes I want to use crystals and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I just sit there and I can just do mental energy movement and mental energy work and I don't even need to do much with my body at all. Sometimes I want to shake my rattle and play my drum. It's all different and I think part of that is between a mix of my mood and what I'm reading that the client needs and wants and what's going to really work for them. But some people will love the ancient medicine and healing practices and traditions of shamanic work. I think it's very cool and I definitely know that it works. But some people would be turned off by some of the things that a shaman would do. So it also depends on which shaman you go and see and how they practice and what they love to do. Another question that I say to ask yourself is, am I an animal lover? Do I relate to animal symbology? When I first started training in Peruvian shamanism and I was learning about animal spirit animals, um, I wasn't totally into it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, huh, well, I love animals because they're so cute. I like animal pictures on the internet and I like my dogs. But I did not really get the whole totem thing and the anim- spirit animal world. And so that didn't really work for me. So if you're working with a shaman that's going to be using a lot of that with you, that might not work for you. I ended up really liking it and I don't use it a ton still. It's a little bit... Um, It's a minimal part of the work that I do and and the journeys that I do, but they've been very powerful when I've done them. And again, at the end of this episode, I have an experience for you and I'm curious what you're going to get. But power animals can be really cool. It just depends on how you relate to them and think about them. But I can tell you right now that when I've worked with my jaguar and I've worked with my snake, some really awesome stuff's happened. I've actually worked with an alligator that I have and my client actually saw an alligator while she was resting and while I was working on her and she was resting and breathing. So that was really cool. And that goes to show that these animal, animal symbolologies and these animal energies that we use, for me, that was proof that they really are doing something. So they are incredibly valid. But do you like that? Because if you don't and a shaman uses that, you might not like it. It might not be your thing and that's okay. Lastly, the question I have is very important with any type of energy practice psychic reading or mediumship reading am I open to believing in what I cannot see without proof so I should I shouldn't probably not put psychic and mediumship in that and so I take it back (laughs) because psychic work and, and mediumship is all about proof psychic work you know if a psychic's telling you something about you and you're like, that does not sound like me at all. You're so off. Then that I kind of get that you're not going to be open to that person. And mediumship, again, when they pull someone through, some mediums don't like to give you evidence. Some of them might not get much evidence, but they really are genuinely pulling the energy of the person who's coming, but they don't have the evidence for you to necessarily see it as proof. So I guess mediumship can work in that case, depending on what kind of medium you see. But shamanically, there really sometimes won't be proof. I do work differently, like I said, and in that my work and my energy work and what I pull in from my shamanic practice is a mix of everything. So I tend to throw in psychic work every time. Like there's something I can say that lets my client know that something's legit. Um, And I think the reason I do that, I, I was trained not to do that. And with my shamanic work and the reason that I do do that is because I know that if I was seeing a shaman and my shaman was able to tell me what they see and get psychic hits and whatnot I would trust it more even though I shouldn't but it's just the truth and I'm going to tell you how I am and I think because of that that's why I integrated it in my own work because it's what I wanted to see in a session so when you see a shaman A lot of them are not psychic. They go to the non-ordinary world and they work in certain ways, but it's very different than psychic work. And so they may do a soul retrieval on you and not even tell you because there is part of a training that says don't tell someone what you saw. It could be very triggering and upsetting for them. Just do the process, bring their soul back to them, and have them integrate. So different shamans are going to work differently, but I can tell you that if you're not open to believing in what you can't see, you might want to question if shamanic healing works for you and you might want to try something else maybe even something simple if you've never done anything like reiki reiki is a really great starter uh, modality for energy work with people and it's very popular and it's very relaxing reiki got me through some of the most stressful years of my career and uh it was it was beautiful so if you don't even have that much trauma and you just need to relax reiki could be a really great way to go but If you answered yes to most of the questions, then shamanic healing is worth trying. I can't necessarily say who shamanic work is not for outside of the fact that if you can't trust that it's not for you. But if you're here and you're listening to this episode and you've got this far and you listen to Joy's episode and you're still listening to the part two here, you're likely someone who would at least enjoy trying to see what it's all about. I have a lot of personal and professional experience with people who suffer from depression and severe anxiety I talk about it a lot and my husband who never could connect with the right therapist never felt like any medication could help him has had life-changing experiences with alternative health with his depression shamanism worked the best for him over anything else I've ever experienced but Just like I was saying, it takes a village and Chinese herbs, acupuncture and massage on top of energy work that he was very luckily letting me do on him were a perfect blend of what shifted and seemed like, to be honest, a very impossible healing to creating a very manageable issue. So I do want to say, don't think you've tried everything because the chances are you haven't. I have a lot of people in my life who have gone from being incredibly anxious and had debilitating anxiety and or debilitating depression and or been suicidal. And I have seen them heal because they did not give up, don't give up. I'm getting emotional here. Don't give up. If you're going through something really difficult and you happen to be listening to this episode, I I hope that gets through to you because there is always a way. There is always something that you can do because if you think you've tried everything, you have not. And there's always going to be a right modality that you're going to find and you're going to find a community that wants to help assist you in your healing There are so many good people out there that want to heal you and help you and hold your hand. And although my husband, who I'm very proud to now say is finally a believer (laughs) in my work, who he I I married a skeptic, guys. The irony here is is too good. I remember when I first told him when we were teenagers and dating that I was a psychic. I think he just brushed it off (laughs) and went, okay. Sure, I don't even quite know what you mean, but that's cool. We don't ever need to really talk about that. But he was a hardcore skeptic, and he has a science mind. And if he's the type that if he can't see proof for himself, he has a really hard time accepting it. So someone like that, if he can find that shamanic work was right for him, maybe I do take back that if you're not a believer that you shouldn't try it. Because look at him. He did it. Granted, he loves indigenous culture he loves n- nature he's very much in tune with earth so that's a huge reason why shamanic work was really great for him but he also is the type that if he can't see proof he gets skeptical so there's definitely times where he has sessions with me that if i can't prove because i'm not sitting here you know doing a whole psychic read for him i'm just moving energy off of his body and moving on with our day If I, if I can't prove it to him, sometimes I can always tell like, I don't know if that worked, but I promise you that I see it shift him within 24 hours. It's amazing. So don't let that questionnaire fool you. I just was trying to give you a few questions to really help you decide if you're on the fence. And if you've tried it all and nothing works, I really would highly recommend that you give shamanic healing a go and Just remember that healing work differs from person to person, so it's also about finding the right healer. You have to find someone who you resonate with. You have to find someone who makes you feel comfortable and heard and holds space for you in an energy that feels really good to you. Someone who makes you feel nurtured. You should always walk away from your sessions always feeling better and, and enjoying the time that you spent with your healer. That's very important. Now it's time for the shamanic journey for your spirit animal. I want to give you a taste of what this could be like. Granted, having a shaman hold space and guide you is a little better of an experience in my humble opinion, but if you trust and allow yourself to just let the energy flow, this process will work and it's pretty awesome. Before beginning, make sure that you're in a quiet space where you can comfortably lie down. You can do the seated. I personally prefer lying down if possible. And you're going to need to find a separate phone or computer or laptop around you so you can play both this podcast as we go along with shamanic drumming music. So on the separate device, go to YouTube and look up Michael Harner, shamanic journey, 15 minutes and have it ready to play. If by some chance you don't have another device and this is all you have, just really use your breath to fall into a deeper state of relaxation and it's still worth trying this. But if you have the music, once you press on your music, close your eyes and begin to breathe consciously. I'm going to separate this into a different chapter so that you can play it in the future. So I'll see you there. Close your eyes and begin to breathe consciously. Pay attention to the breaths you take in and out. Let your body relax. Let your mind relax. Don't think about anything except the drumming and the sound of my voice and anchor yourself with your breath. Quietly inside your mind, ask for your spirit animal to come and visit you during this journey. Once you make this request, pay it no mind again. Just begin to breathe after you ask for your spirit animal to come. Breathing in through the nose, and exhaling out through the mouth, slowly and controlled, breathing in and breathing out. Now imagine yourself sitting in a dark cave beside a fire. The fire is warm and the cave is silent. You feel a sense of safety knowing that you have a trusted friend outside the cave at the entryway there protecting you. There is nothing to worry about, and all you need to do is stare at the fire. Watch the flames as they change in color from red to orange to blue. Watch the flames grow taller and shorter as they sway from left to right. Continue to breathe consciously. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth, watching the fire. Now you notice that in front of you, the fire immediately goes out and you're sitting in the dark. Your eyes begin to adjust as you take a few more breaths in and out. Slowly, you begin to notice a figure forming in front of you. Just continue to breathe and allow this energy to take form. Once this figure has taken form for you, start to ask it some questions. Ask it why it's here and what it wants you to know. If you're ready, thank the form, thank the fire, and thank yourself for taking the time to try this spirit animal journey. If you're not complete, just continue breathing and communicating with this form. If the process didn't work, don't be discouraged. You're just probably pushing yourself too hard. Try it again at another time when you can relax. It might be easier once you know what I'm saying. For some, it's easier for the first time because they don't know what to expect and they don't think as much. Just trust the process without any expectation. If it did work, congratulations on connecting with your first spirit animal. If you feel like it, journal about this experience and reflect on it at a later time. It's always amazing to think about what certain animals show up and what their energies are here to teach us. You can probably go online and even look into what the animals' archetypes are symbolizing and learn a little bit more about yourself. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find me on Instagram at healingwithmona and visit my website at www.conscioushealingco.com and send me a message there if you want to work with me one-on-one. Until next time, this is Mona Loring signing off and sending you all the good vibes.